Welcome to Frost and Sullivan's Growth, Innovation, Human Replacement, or Collaboration. Our presenter today is Vinay Van Ketsen, Research Consultant, and also co-presenting is Jillian Walker, Principal Consultant, part of our Visionary Innovation Group here at Frost and Sullivan. And it's our pleasure to have our guest panelist, Aruna Ravichadravan, VP CMO Global Marketing from Cisco, and Charles Towers Clark, Chairman Pod Group, and also a Forbes contributor. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Vinay. Thank you so much, Anna. Welcome to everyone dialed into the briefing today. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Vinay Venkatesan from the Visionary Innovation Group at Frost and Sullivan. So to set the context today for today's discussion, let me first start by uh, first introducing to you to our Megatrends universe. Uh, we as a team track 30 megatrends on a day-to-day basis across a broad range uh, of social technology as well as industries. Uh, while these are extremely relevant, it is the con- uh, convergence and the re- resultant transformation of these trends that we find so exciting. And one such transformation that we have noticed over the past few years and uh, going into the next five to 10 years is the evolution and future of work, uh, which is expected to have an effect on several businesses listening in today. Uh, which brings us to three major shifts that we are going to talk about today. Uh, the first one is our uh, future workplace technology, uh, including AI and automation that will affect our future workplace. Um, our future labor workforce, which will be influenced by social trends such as uh, generational shifts and an increasingly stronger women workforce. And finally, our future workspace, which will be influenced by the changing work environment, uh, work cultures, and business models. So let's dive right into the first transformation here, um, our future workplace technology. As you can see here on the screen, we have uh, underlined five key shifts. The first one is AI leading to job polarization. Uh, so while we see that there are several technologies that are expected to transform our uh, workplace, AI remains the most sought after, even in terms of investment and implementation, as we will increasingly see machines and systems as part of our daily lives thanks to AI. It will also lead to uh, job polarization, which essentially means that the high-skilled jobs will re- which require human-level intelligence uh, will will uh, will be going on the rise, whereas the low-skill jobs, which become too expensive to automate, uh, will also see a, a margin increase. But th- what this will, uh, what this will uh, result in is the hallowing of the middle ground jobs, which we'll, we'll see in the next couple of slides. The second point brings us to the convert- connectivity and convergence of multiple communication devices and IoT systems, which will further empower this digital transformation in the workplace. Uh, this will essentially enable to us to thrive in a unified and collaborative environment, promising uh, opportunities for edge computing, integrated communications, and adaptability to BYOD trends. Uh, the third point here, as we see, is uh, seamless human-machine interfaces, which will be able to perform multiple tasks, um, ensuring employee safety, trainability, and task repurposing. Uh, point number four here is the professional service reports uh, deployed as a robotics as a service model um, or, or the algorithms for need for uh, high investment, which can be most favorable for uh, the SMEs. And the final point here is the virtually enhanced work environment, wherein augmented virtual and mixed reality will uh, enable an enhanced telepresence, uh, great freedom of movement, and virtual co-location of the workforce. Let's dive into slide five here, which talks about uh, AI, which leads to job polarization. Now, while improvements in AI will drive technological uh, advancements in areas such as computing and uh, natural language processing, it will also lead to uh, uh, this kind of job polarization. If we consider polarization across the US, uh, you know, throughout the ages, we can basically observe that the percentage of higher skilled jobs, uh, we mean doctors or engineers or journalists or even paramedics, which has uh, risen through the IT revolution in 2012 and will continue to rise through the AI revolution to 2030. Uh, in comparison, uh, routine middle-skill jobs uh, you know, have been rapidly shrinking and will continue to do so as they become extensively automated. Now, the lower-skill jobs, which are too expensive to automate, will continue to increase marginally. Now, what does this mean? 
uh, a digital native Gen Z population, as well as uh, a prepared, a digital Gen Z population, uh, you know, which will be prepared to work alongside AI, but the pressure of a rapidly shifting environment will drive focus towards a newer array of skill sets. Now in 2030, uh, as we can see to the right, uh, skills that require emotional intelligence and creativity, um, in other words, those which cannot be uh, easily automated or replaced by automation, will gain prominence. And perhaps one of the most critical uh, ones here, listed to, to your right here, could be STEM-related, as these are highly complex and also difficult to automate. Now, building a STEM-capable workforce will provide a path to uh, reliable and lucrative work opportunities uh, moving forward. And we're also moving towards a highly connected world. Uh, as per our recent estimates, uh, there will be over 7 uh, billion connected devices, uh, actually 7 connected devices for a human by 2025, and culminating into a complex network of almost 72 billion connected devices over the next five-year period. Now, the need to connect anytime, anywhere, um, from any device or any application uh, basically provides an emerging need for low latency processing and mobile bandwidth optimization. Now, the combined power of 5G and edge computing will actually deliver this kind of seamless user interface moving forward. Now, what does that essentially mean? So, to your, to your right, uh, we have provided a traffic system uh, example, which is a pretty, pretty simple example, which shows that edge computing can almost instantaneously um, analyze data in real time uh, you know, almost within milliseconds to prevent accidents. Now, let's let's think about this from the perspective of an industrial environment. Um, you know, in a plant floor processing uh, environment, which typically requires high speed of front, uh, you know, response and high volume of data inputs, uh, being able to detect these kind of anomalies and actually respond to real time can pretty much avoid significant uh, you know, downtime and also achieve higher productivity. So unified collab collaboration and communication, uh, you know, uh, which is more customized and integrated, is, is going to be uh, definitely a, a, a very interesting uh, transformation to look at uh, from a future of work perspective. So how will the evolution of uh, industrial human machine interfaces uh, you know, evolve itself? Uh, now, the future of robotics and their successful integration in the workplace, we believe, primarily depends on two key factors. The first one is safety, and the other is ease of use. Uh, now, as shown in the diagram, uh, as robots are increasingly introduced into a diverse set of applications and uh, deployed to work closely with humans, we will start to see a higher degree of motion compliance and sensors, wherein robots are able to monitor a more safeguarded space and, and slow down their operation speed if they actually detect a human nearby, which ensures uh, full safety and human control. Um, a great example that I could uh, you know, state is, is how robots ensuring uh, human safety are being uh, you know, uh, used in um, this hub called Orca, which is the offshore robotics for certification of assets. So now Orca uh, has actually built a, a fully autonomous robot to inspect damaged offshore wind farms. Now, what this essentially means is that this, this could put an end to the risk of having humans uh, who are harnessed to to suspend themselves over the sea to you know to inspect these sur uh, turbines, which is an which is a highly unsafe environment to work in. Now, and not only that, but actually building fully trainable and reprogrammable robots will be a critical determinant to ensure this high level of human machine integration. And 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 this will be regardless of you know the of of what the robots are used into. You know, it could be industrial workplace, it could be professional, or it could be personal robots. The other advancement which will take on enterprise complexity is the use of digital personal assistance in the workplace. While today we are all familiar with numerous companies which have deployed you know, chatbots as the first line of customer service, these are expected to get more intelligent over time. Um, you know, some future advancements we can see or expect are their ability to provide data visualization or a summary of you know, uh, data that uh, recommendations to the user, as well as um, 
uh, identification of appropriate, appropriate receivers of information, which is essentially selective information pushing. Finally, we come to work wearables, uh, which will also constitute a significant part of the workplace technology evolution. Um, as we also now moving towards a connected environment, we'll see wearables such as, you know, we are already uh, uh, very well versed with smart bands, smart watches, and now smart glasses, which will be increasingly adopted in the future workplace. Uh, a great example is how Google has now introduced a newer version of its Google Glass, but now it's called the, the Enterprise Edition 2, uh, primarily targeted at enterprises, uh, even surgeons, factory workers, and other professionals. So we're not too far behind, uh, you know, when, when we see uh, more and more employers use this kind of fitness trackers and, uh, you know, implants even to track metrics in order to improve preventative care for their employees and even, you know, help reduce their healthcare costs collectively. Uh, on the other hand, digital reality itself will uh, radically change how people experience work, uh, you know, providing these kind of virtual overlays of information onto the real world. Um, augmented reality or virtual reality will actually help us make interactions amongst workers as well as objects more insightful. Uh, and imagine a time in the not so far future when you're able to, uh, you're, you're typically able to attend this webinar session, uh, you know, or a conference and just watch me presenting live through your VR headsets or a holographic telepresence, which can allow remote workers and clients to attend meetings through a virtual, uh, you know, media presence. Um, wearable AR can also provide information, you know, such as instructions or notes through, uh, you know, head-mounted displays. So, so, so how relevant is this to the future workplace? Uh, think about a manufacturing workshop, uh, you know, where an AR can actually provide critical information about the factory floor and reduce these kinds of errors significantly. Um, uh, virtual reality can be used for training uh, workers and alert them of unsafe working conditions. Uh, there are companies which are already taking advantage of, of such technologies at the workplace. Uh, or even in healthcare, uh, you know, digital reality could actually provide direct visual feedback, uh, you know, for enhanced instructions during a surgery. Uh, consider the automotive industry where companies like Volkswagen, for example, are using uh, AR for real-time diagnosis, repair, and service. Uh, companies like, uh, you know, Ford and BMW are also looking at vehicle design and prototyping uh, using holograms for real-time collaboration. Uh, but the caveat is there, there are also challenges to this, that companies must be aware that more wearables or implants inevitably also means that there are more data points which will be generated. And excessive tracking or improper tracking could actually result in a kind of a big brother scenario, which would you know, be, be detrimental to the employee uh, mindset. So clearly setting boundaries for tracking employee metrics and complete transparency will be critical uh, you know, as we implement these technologies in the workplace. Now with that, uh, we'd like to invite our panelists to uh, you know, weigh in with their observations on what are the transformations happening around you know, this workplace technology. Um, we have a few questions up here, but it would be great to have a broader view of what we presented here. So uh, Aruna and Charles, so what, what, what are your thoughts around the tech advancements that we see around us? Uh, what opportunities do they present to us? Or, or even better, how, how can companies really know uh, how they're ready to handle this kind of transformation? Uh, Aruna, do you want to yeah. uh, go first? Hey, uh, thank you, Vinay. So, uh, so from uh, what we are actually observing when you think about future of workplace from a technology perspective are in two critical areas. Uh, one is uh, there is a huge uh, increase in the concept of virtual assistance. So if you think about it, AI has basically changed the way uh, you know, people actually interact across the board. I'll just give you an example. Uh, previously, you know, when then I, I would actually come into the office and join a meeting. You have to, you know, put in those mundane numbers and you have to join a meeting after five or 10 minutes. But as you look at how technology has actually advanced and how it improved the employee productivity across the board, this is where AI in terms of virtual assistance, in terms of facial recognition is actually going to play a tremendous role. So my meeting experience has now changed tremendously. So all I have to do is if I have to join a, 
a meeting on the phone while driving into the office uh, and then i come into my office my my webex board will automatically recognize who i am and it will switch over the call directly from my mobile device onto the webex board so that's one example in terms of how ai is further enabling and automating the employee productivity another example is Uh, there is a huge rise in terms of uh, facial recognition as well as voice assistant so again uh, if i'm huddled in my office working with my coworkers the webex board actually wakes up and say hey aruna you have a meeting starting in 5 minutes do you actually want to join the meeting and so even without having to lift a finger you actually have the opportunity to you know uh, be a part of the conversation with the meeting and as i look into the future in terms of how this is further going to change is that you know uh, if you are about to join a meeting not only will it prompt you you can actually have a conversation with a lot of the virtual assistants just like you have a conversation with alexa and siri and so on and so forth you can actually say hey, tell me how many people have joined the meeting uh, can you please load the presentation from your last conversation into the meeting so a lot of the things which had to be done manually across the board is now going to be automated by a lot of the virtual assistants uh the second area where i think um we are seeing a big amount of increase in cadence is uh, around uh, the whole concept of audio as well as speech recognition and so gone are the days like you know when you are joining a meeting or you're collaborating with your peers uh, most of the conversations were actually recorded but now uh, you know you have to take uh, the, the technology gives us the ability to take it to the next level it's not just about recording the conversation it's about transcribing it and it's not just transcribing it it's transcribing it in any language across the board you should be able to uh, tell your voice assistant to basically take meeting notes uh, you should be able to tell your voice assistant to be able to take an action item and then later on after you you've finished your collaboration or you've finished your meeting you can actually go into the cloud uh, put a keyword search on whatever you want you can look up any one of the transcription over the Uh, last uh, couple of weeks or months or years in fact if you want to basically go back in time and so all of this when you think about the whole uh, concept of collaboration assistance facial recognition audio as well as speech recognition i think uh, you know it's all focused on being able to further automate a lot of uh, tasks which were uh, manual and further increase the uh, uh, employee productivity across the board the second area where i see there is a lot of transformation which is happening is in the ar vr world so I, and there are a lot of examples and i think you stated a couple of them uh, from ford so with ford their global teams have the op- opportunity to optimize their vehicle design uh, on an oculus rift and so how do you do that so basically if you are uh, trying to um, you know do something design your particular car without even actually getting into the underlining mechanics you can actually do it with ar vr and there are other companies which are actually uh, simulating in multiple different verticals at ucla uh, they have an oculus surgical theater where they can actually teach sensitive uh, new surgeries across the board think about how much of a value that will actually provide to the world if you can have the ability to teach new surgeries for various different surgeons around the world uh, using ar vr technology with nasa they actually train the astronauts with uh, zero g virtual reality boeing they use ar to actually build airplanes so that they can actually cut the error rates by 50% so again you know the whole concept of ar vr is actually going to take Uh, the future of work into the next uh, technology level absolutely those are very interesting examples thank you so much aruna for sharing uh, charles would you would you like to add to that would you like to add your perspective i think i got to come from a very different perspective um through you know and you say a great example um but if, if we look at the questions which which you put out and to try and answer some of those questions um especially around the idea of tech readiness our companies tech readiness have they undertaken a tech readiness assessment the problem there i think is the question's wrong i think the question really should be more about are we tech ready flexible and are we do we have systems in place are we agile enough are we using continuous integration continuous development type tools not just in the development side to be ready for what the future is going to throw at us because if you're ready for a technology now then it's probably too late and it's probably 
uh, already moved on. So that's, that's the, the first question you asked, asked there. Um, the, the, if we take a bigger step on, on, in, in terms of your third question, what extent will robotics and automation impact the future workplace? Um, this is something which I actually wrote a book about uh, called The Way of CEO. And I do think it's going to have a, a very, very huge impact over the next um, five to 15 years. You, you've gone through, obviously, the, the impact of AI. And, and it's not uh, general intelligence, um, artificial general intelligence that's going to have um, going to have the impact. It, it's the, 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 the machine learning and the deep learning focusing on narrow and, and deep problems. Um, and the way I put it in my book is, is we can look at what can be processed and things can be broken down into smaller steps. And if it can be processed, then it can be automated. Um, and, but we also need to look wider. Professor Stuart Russell from the University of California has talked about the need to address the implications of AI, um, and that obviously comes back into the future of, of the workplace as well. Um, but it, and in a similar way to climate change, where we could have dealt with this 5, 10, 15 years, 30 years ago, um, and it's going to cost us a lot less than it's going to cost us now, the implications of AI on society and, and in the workplace as well are such that I think we really need to be looking at how it's going to affect uh, employees, um, how it's going to affect companies. And you mentioned earlier on the, 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 the human skills that we're going to be, be requiring. And I think one of the problems which we have at the moment is that companies are not set up to allow employees to have the right mindset to be able to deal with what will be the future of work in terms of dealing with AI and dealing with automation. Um, two years ago, I started to look at this threat, and uh, I changed my company around um, by, by creating an environment where I was encouraging people to to take it, uh, the initiative um, uh, and to take responsibility for what they're doing. And so some of the initiatives that I took was to um, make all the information available to everybody in the company, um, to including the salaries, um, let people work where and when they want, let people choose their own salaries. Now, those may seem as, as gimmicks in a workplace, but I think it's extremely important for the future to deal with AI and to deal with automatically moving told to do or, or, or a process to one where they're thinking, and you alluded to this earlier on, where they're thinking and they're working out, well, not only what are their objectives, but also what are the objectives that they need to, uh, to set for the automation. Absolutely. And, and if you were to underline, you know, key issues that companies must consider while integrating these technologies, um, what, what, what would those be, Charles? Um, again, I mean, I think I'm going to slightly, forgive me, but I'm going to slightly repeat what I just said. It is that yeah. you can't, you can integrate technology, but the technology is not going to work. And especially automation, bringing new technology in, which is going to automate things is not going to work unless you've got to a situation where people have the right mindset to be able to deal with the technology. And, mm -hmm. and that's not doing process work, that's doing thinking work. Mm -hmm. And Aruna, uh, you know, your thoughts on you know, how, how automation could you know, actually impact and any key issues that you think uh, you know, companies must consider uh, when integrating uh, these technologies? Yeah, so I think I covered the automation part, right? So when I talked about employee productivity with the virtual assistants, with the AR, VR, you know, that is where they're going to have the biggest impact because it's automating a lot of the tasks, which were actually, you know, mundane and uh, manual across the board. But I'll focus on the second part with respect to the key issues. While AI uh, is going to bring about tremendous amount of automation and augment uh, people in terms of being able to facilitate collaboration and make it happen uh, much more better. I would say the, some of the key uh, issues it's actually going to bring from a technology perspective is about security, right? So because as the, the whole thing evolves, so the data privacy is a very big concept. So we, if you want to actually have facial recognition, how are you actually, you have to think about, are you going to be able to store the people profiles? I, and so data privacy being so huge, there are so many different compliance mandates. So while the, uh, the AI and the automation is going to help, 
security needs to be think uh, thought about um, uh, people need to give consideration to that if not it's going to open up a lot of uh, uh, breaches across the board and then the second issue where i actually see is about the evolving uh, deployment architecture so while you had it in one of your slide right so by 2030 you actually mentioned that the various different uc systems will basically have a seamless user interface why is that important because you want to provide one single unified experience across the board regardless of which collaboration platform from a technology perspective you are actually using but what you see currently today is every uh, one of the collaboration systems solutions whether you want to uh, call message or meet someone or whether you want to have uh, collaboration to facilitate in order to facilitate a fantastic customer experience uh, across the board uh, they all have come up with uh, come with their own um, um, you know multiple panes of glass so the other issue i see is if you want to really automate and provide the seamless experience in terms of collaboration whether you want to call message or meet anyone across the board how can you actually do it given given the evolving uh, evolving deployment models because your architectures could be on prem it could be in a hybrid deployment model or it could be in the cloud and every one of them could have their own user interface it could have its own security so the holy nirvana in my mind in terms of an issue is how do you actually bring all of those together so that you don't compromise security and you have the ability to provide that seamless uh, unified uh, customer experience or and user experience very true very true i think data privacy will be critical to you know towards these digital transformations that we see uh, thank you both and with that i'd like to hand it over to jillian to discuss our future labor workforce Today. Thanks, Vinay. <clears throat> uh, and so I'm going to um, just inject a little bit more of the human element here today um, and speak a little bit to the future workforce. As you can see on your screen, <clears throat> the key shifts that will become increasingly prominent over the next decade include things like the dominance of multi-generational workforces. And now, clearly, this is something that we've um, always had to some extent, that is, more than one generation in the workforce. But we'll see, I think, a broader range in the future. You can imagine Gen Z, millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, and maybe even those in generations beyond boomers all working together in one um, collaborative process. And this multi-generational outlook will certainly create challenges, I think, in terms of communicating and interacting across generations, but also tremendous opportunities. Um, the second point here is the rise of median ages um, globally, which is ultimately a contributor to this uh, concept of a multi-generational workforce, um, but also things like uh, considerations around a society's age, people are going to be working longer. What does that mean? Uh, the third point here is the number of women in the workplace, uh, and that will continue to grow. Um, here in the U.S., it was, uh, I think, just announced that more women uh, than men are actually receiving college degrees. So women are now in the majority in terms of college degrees. And, and that's just one example of how we'll see women continue to accelerate their place in the workplace. Um, this shift is, uh, again, one indicator of the rise of working women, and that will have implications, I think, particularly around policies. Uh, we think of things like pay but also family leave and implications around that. And then finally, uh, integration of robotics and automation. So just kind of dovetailing off some of the topics we were just talking about. And that will, of course, have profound impacts on the workforce of the future. Um, I think, as Vinay had hit on, particularly in terms of needed worker skill sets. So moving on to our first slide in this section, an aging workforce will mean, I think ultimately at the end of the day, postponing retirement, but have all the other implications as well. The chart you see on your screen highlights a few points. First, you'll see countries segmented by a sort of aging groups. You'll notice that particularly in developed countries, the aging population, and here we're qualifying that as 65 plus, will grow to over 15% of the population um, in some countries like Japan, that will approach 30% of the population. 
But also, uh, just to um, highlight the fact that this is not just a developed world um, world issue, countries like China, its massive population was also going to see a rise in the aging population. Um, in fact, the numbers attached to each of the bubbles that you see in the chart show the percentage point growth in older age dependency ratios. So that just simply means that there's going to be more people over 65 when compared to the population of prime working age people. So I think the question is, why is this important specifically to the future workforce? Well, first, there's the point we brought up about multi-generational workforces and the opportunities and challenges of having so many generations as coworkers. But there are also implications around the need to work longer. So we see retirement age being pushed further in many countries, as well as catering to the needs of older populations, whether that is in the types of jobs that will expand, for instance, uh, things like elder care, or even flexibility around older workers in the workplace um, who may have to care for grandchildren or even older parents beyond them um, or uh, medical emergencies. So certainly healthcare and worker wellness is going to be a greater focus as well. Moving on to the next slide here, um, our next topic in the future workforce is the growth of women workers. In many developed countries, female worker participation rates of prime age workers has been over 70% um, for some time, but this is also the case in many developing countries as well. And as populations age, we will increasingly need more women to join the labor force to help support that older population. Uh, I think Japan, again, has been the perfect test bed for this where policies aimed at bringing more women into full-time and regular work. So not just kind of part-time and intermittent work, but full-time regular work is increasingly a goal. Uh, and there's uh, no sense that this trend is going to slow as women become better educated globally and as policies continue to target improving the status of women in the workplace. Now, this means a few things. First, hopefully, more economic independence for women, which in turn will drive products and services aimed at women. But more specifically, I think, to our topic at hand today, it means a rethinking in terms of, uh, of the workplace in terms of women. So a greater emphasis on closing pay gaps, on including women in senior positions, on valuing the unique experience and perspective women bring to a work environment. So um, even rethinking uh, workplace skills like differences between how women and men might approach uh, topics like negotiation or applying for positions. Um, so things around mentoring women on creating workplaces that are friendly to the realities of women's lives, such as flexibility for maternity leave and parental obligations. And ultimately, I think this is going to have a, 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 be a boon for men as well, who will also benefit from these sorts of policy shifts. So finally, just... Um, uh, touching on automation and robotics in the workplace as this um, topic pertains specifically to uh, the future workforce. And, of course, the main concern here is worker displacement. So the matrix you see on your screen isolates jobs that are seeing shortages in workers and that could see increasing amounts of automation or replacement um, or supplement, supplementary um, activities by robotics uh, or robotic automation over the coming decade. So you're looking at the bottom um, right-hand box here on your chart. Uh, areas like agriculture or truck driving, for instance, um, I think what we really want to consider with this topic is how robotics and automation are ultimately going to impact those skill sets of workers. So in some cases, automation is going to contribute to de-skilling trends. So no longer will an employee need to have, let's say, a special degree or skill set to perform a job if automation can perform basically the technical heavy lifting this then has implications for worker pay because de-skilled workers command less in salary. On the other hand, in some areas, this trend can result in the need for even higher uh, skill sets um, as automation replaces, let's say, entry, for instance, uh, marked out here in that quadrant. Automating this job or a job that something like an intern might do may make it harder for new workers to get a foot in the door somewhere or may make it, make it take uh, longer for those workers to acquire uh, the needed skills they have to progress in their careers. So, um, with these thoughts in mind, I want to give um, plenty of room for our panelists to discuss their thoughts on the future workforce. 
uh, just a few questions to pose, but really open to how they want to respond to what we presented. Um, so, uh, Aruna and Charles, what are your thoughts on Gen Z, aging workforces, multi-generational workforces, and then where does automation fit in when considering these topics? Uh, and then, of course, bringing in uh, the, the concern of women in the workforce. So, Aruna, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and speak to these, um, these topics, and then we'll turn to Charles. Okay, so when you think, when I think about the workforce, like, you know, I break it into the quad generational workforce, right? So you have the baby boomers, the Gen X, the millennials, and the Gen Z. And every one of the four generations have different motivations, different values, and different work styles. So if you think about the baby boomers, their value system is actually defined by their work, and their work style is that they actually value face time. Uh, and then if you think about Generation X, uh, their values are that they value work-life balance and uh, they, uh, you know, they don't uh, actually need or want face time. It's significantly different when you think about baby boomers versus Gen X. And then you come to the millennial generation. Uh, work For them, work must uh, uh, happen. Uh, uh, work should be an integral part of their life and they need to be uh, able to influence, uh, they need to have a social influence so that they can make the world much more better. So that is one of the core value system when you think about the millennial generation. Uh, and then the last one, which is the Gen Z. And uh, for them, uh, it's much more of only, they only know the global diverse uh, workforce and workplace. And for them, their preference in terms of work style is about being able to have conversations live or through video or visual. So they're very visual across the board. It's not about the audio. So as you can see, you know, baby boomers and Gen Z actually value FaceTime. And for baby boomers, it was a physical FaceTime. For the Generation Z, it's actually, it could be uh, video or visual. Uh, it doesn't have to be alive. So there is a significant difference as you basically see the changing value system as well as with respect to the work style. Given this, I would say automation is going to play a tremendous role because we still have, regardless of how the future is actually going to evolve, you know, probably the baby boomers are actually going to drop out as we move towards 2025 or 2030, as you actually discussed. But you still have to support three generations as you move towards the future, which is Gen X millennials and the genera uh, Gen Z. And you had a start with Gen Z will be, and same thing with the millennials. I think they'll make a significant part of the workforce. So when you think about their work style and their value system, automation is going to play, play a tremendous role. And then the how the evolving workspace is currently uh, evolving is also going to play a tremendous workplace. So let me give a tactical example. So for given the rise of mobility, and given the rise of flexibility and given the rise of the preference in terms of how millennial and the Gen Z op, uh, generation actually operate, where you actually work needs to become irrelevant. It means that technology needs to automate a lot of the various different things so that you can still provide that face-to-face -face communication. So we talked about AI, like you know, in the earlier part of the uh, discussion, I talked about the rise of facial recognition the rise of virtual, uh, the rise of will actually augment uh, the value system and the work style which the the millennial as well as the Gen, uh, Gen Z population actually expect. And then given the rise of AR, VR, it will further continue to supplement in terms of how um, the various different uh, quad generational workforce will actually operate in an environment. And last but not the least, right, so we went from, uh, you know, a static workplace with large conference rooms where people used to come in uh, to work, you know, with the baby boomers down to an agile workforce or a very mobile workforce where that gives, that has given a rise to this whole concept called huddle spaces. More and more uh, companies are actually investing in huddle spaces, which are not dedicated spaces. Uh, or conference room, you know, they need to have the underlying technology in order to facilitate all of the goodness and greatness which is coming with AI as well as uh, AR and VR. And and then the new emerging trend is the shared workspaces, right? So we we've seen a couple of different companies who are actually offering that particular business model across the board, so that people can work where they want, uh, they can be mobile, and they should still be able to facilitate 
their preference in terms of having the face-to-face -face communication across the board. So both the, the technology is evolving in order to support that, the workspace is evolving in order to support the various different uh, work styles which are happening in the market. Great. Thank you so much. And then I want to go to Charles quickly to get his thoughts on uh, any of these topics here. So um, multi-generational workforce, automation, or women in the workforce. Thanks, um, I think Irina very brilliantly summed up the, the different generational um, aspects. If I can just put it uh, uh, at a slightly different angle on that, would be that um, what I've seen is that the Generation Z uh, and the younger generations are, are coming into companies expecting to have companies uh, looking at what their needs are rather than what are the company needs are. So companies, I think, need to change the way that they, uh, they look at their employees um, from that aspect. When we come into automation and how that's going to displace, I would venture to guess that the, 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 the biggest change is going to be on the aging, uh, the aging population of workplace. Um, and one's got to remember that it's not roles that will get replaced. It's tasks within those roles that will get replaced. Um, so it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be hard for that aging population, as you, as you mentioned earlier on in your, in your slides, the fact that there's going to be uh, more older people, people are going to need to retire. Uh, later. So companies are going to need to find a way to use the experience and wisdom possibly to, to be able to take the processes that are going to be done by automation and find ways to, to make those more efficient with the experience that the older, women, uh, the older um, workers can bring. From the point of view of women, um, I think it's a huge opportunity. I, I'm really pleased on this side. Um, I may be wrong, but I hope I'm not. I think it's a huge opportunity that, that the future brings. Um, for women, because um, we're going to, as I said earlier, we're going to need, and you alluded to us earlier as well, but we're going to need to more, use more of the human skills, um, of one of which, which was in your slide, um, or I think in your slide, first of all, was um, emotional intelligence. There was a study done in 2016 of, uh, across 90 countries, 55,000 professionals, um, and on various uh, emotional intelligence competencies, and of 12 of them, women were better on 11, and on the 12th, um, they were fairly much the same. There's no difference between men and women, and the 12th was emotional self-control. So I do think that women have a great uh, place to play um, in, 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 a, in a world where things are getting automated because they've got better skills in regards to uh, communication, bringing teams together, and, and those uh, skills, which are softer skills, which we're going to need, to need more of. Hey, can I add a comment uh, uh, to his, with, especially with respect Please. to the women in the workforce? Uh, so I think, you know, 100% agree to uh, what Charles said. So, so once upon a time, right, like women had to decide whether they want to have a career or not, because if they didn't have the ability to work from home, you know, they couldn't actually work. Look at the advancement in technology. You know, now yeah, a woman has an opportunity to pursue a career where she can actually work from home and raise her family while, uh, and meeting the needs of uh, supporting her uh, family as well as her kids, while at the same time she can basically work in technology. So, so women have the opportunity to work from home, and then even uh, and even if they want to come into work and work, like as you see the various the way technology is actually advancing, all the offices are outfitted with all of the key things. Like if, especially if you think about a nursing mother, most companies actually have you know give that opportunity for women to basically come into work or work from home, and which basically uh, you know shows that there is a rising trend in terms of being able to encourage more women workers, and I, we saw it in the slide you actually showed uh, as well. But I also want to comment on uh, one other topic. So uh, according to McKinsey, if women actually participated in the global economy at the same rate as men, as much as $28 trillion or 26% would be added to the global annual GDP by 2025. Right, so there definitely is a role where women actually play when you look at it. Uh, another example is for many profitable firms, a move from no female leaders to 30% representation is associated with 15% increase in net revenue margins. 
uh, Cisco is a perfect example across the board. If you look at uh, the transformation journey we have been on, especially in terms of uh, ELT members under our CEO Chuck, uh, right now he's got 50-50, uh, you know, representation of men versus women. And so, again, I can, I can say that, you know, uh, the technology is going to affect women in a very, very positive way and pave the way for many more jobs, which will then be translated into the results, uh, which can be uh, gotten out of having a very diverse workforce. Okay, well, great. Um, I know we're approaching uh, quickly the top of the hour, so I'm going to hand it back to Vinay, but I don't want to lose sight of this gig economy question here because that is definitely a hot topic that we hear um, people wanting to know more about and where we see the future of that going. So we're going to put a pin in that and bring it into the next section. So with that, um, I'm going to hand it back to Vinay to talk about the future uh, workspace. Thank you, Julian. Thank you, Aruna and Charles, for your wonderful perspective. Um, so moving forward to the final section here, that's the future, our future workspace, uh, two major shifts that we see will become you know, increasingly significant. Uh, with a growing uh, connectivity and technological innovation, companies will continue to embrace a hybridized remote workforce and listening thoughts to that. Uh, with, the focus will also you know, majorly evolve around uh, agility and scalability. Now, in order to attract talent, um, you know, consider renters as well as employers, which will continue to, uh, who will continue to gravitate towards more functional, smart building and open concept working environments. Um, you know, think about a time when landlords deliver, um, are, are trying to deliver more on services than just the space, which, is, uh, which, is, which was so long considered the, uh, the sole asset. And employee wellness uh, will also, you know, come in as a key factor of consideration. Um, you know, Aruna was talking about, you know, how women have evolved from, from a time when, you know, you, you wouldn't have, you know, um, these kind of uh, situations which could help them, you know, work remotely and now we're moving towards, uh, you know, a more collaborative environment. So let's take a, look, a closer look at how these business models have been changing. Um, you know, consider the matrix here on the, uh, here on the slide. We basically plotted these changing model, models based on employment flexibility and skills flexibility. So to the bottom left, if you can see, uh, companies which have traditionally relied on full-time, you know, employees, but also now offer flexible working arrangements. Uh, the place of work still remains uh, primarily an office space, although remote working is an option now. Uh, low on employment flexibility and skills. Now, on the bottom right corner, we have companies like Uber or Lyft, wherein a group of workers uh, you know, perform one function only. So not much employment flexibility in terms of place of work, but wider you know, skills to put to use. Uh, you know, we have uh, food delivery services, grocery shopping, um, you know, food services uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, and on the top left, we have companies like Upwork, which provides a platform for skilled workers to find, you know, one-off projects, uh, you know, irrespective of, you know, place of work. It could be a home, office space, cafe, anywhere. Uh, high employment flexibility, but, you know, really low in skills flexibility. And on the type, top right corner, we have, and probably this is where most innovation will occur, uh, companies like Amazon's Mechanical Turk, which basically allow, allows individuals to outsource smaller parts of work workforce find but high flex skills flexibility as well as uh, very high uh, employment flexibility. So what does this mean? I mean, this, this means that moving forward, organizations will be required to consider a more hybrid workforce based on their needs, which could cater to, uh, you know, freelancers, those who prefer working from home based on their convenience, um, or, or, or entrepreneurs who would, uh, you know, needs uh, very high dependence on networking proximity, but you know traditional office spaces are not a requirement anymore. Um, remote or traveling workers, where you need to have a mix of you know office as well as remote working styles. Um, those who occasionally need access to meeting and conference rooms, and finally um, you know SMEs and companies who would probably want a local operations center, but without you know very high upfront costs and operational costs of actually running the place. Um, so I, I think the way that we could best put it is uh, the way in, in, in how collaborative, you know, collective shared or office and demand options will actually shape up over the next five uh, to 10 years. 
And uh, on the final slide here, uh, you know, what will future offices, office spaces encompass? You know, on one hand, we have, uh, you know, around 72 billion connected devices by 2025. And on the other hand, we have a, a growing building automation market, which combined will propel the, for great team, uh, key themes that we are expecting to see. Um, you know, there could be uh, embedded materials and sensors, which we could see in future office spaces, which are almost activated upon contact. I mean, uh, a good example is a company called Energy Square, um, they actually introduced a wireless charging surface at uh, the CES 2019. Now, the surface is basically a matrix of conductive tiles, and you know it's monitored by an embedded system. You know, long story short, it could de detect your smartphone or laptop and charge it as soon as it's kept on the surface. I mean, there are quite a few bigger, bigger companies also looking into this tech, um, DuPont or even LG, for example. Uh, connected systems. Now, building devices will be connected to form a smarter IoT ecosystem. Uh, Cisco's connected workplace, and I'm sure Aruna can elaborate on this a bit, you know, help them, uh, Cisco's connected system actually helped them shed almost 7.5 uh, million Square feet of office space, uh, you know, and, and, and just to basically um, result in high uh, real estate cost savings as well as CO2 emissions, you know, a more flexible yet connected workforce, uh, you know, more activity based and collaborative workspaces. And finally, untethered workspaces. Now, smart building is based on personal convenience. A simple example would be just connected lighting systems, which could be activated by IoT sensors, um, basically to reduce energy consumption and space efficiency. And apart from these, there are some other innovations that could also be integrated. I mean, let's, let's say, uh, let's take an example of smart construction materials. Um, commercial spaces which are built with uh, self-healing concrete could actually significantly improve the building lifespan and also reduce refurbishment costs because of its inherent ability to, to repair itself. Or even bio facades, you know, used in glass panels, which can actually provide this kind of shade and reduce, reduce dependence on artificial uh, heating, ventilation, and cooling. So, uh, to put it all together, what does this mean? Uh, with more em employers embracing these kind of re remote work styles and, and and the gig economy coming up, uh, you know, it's 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 only going to reduce office space occupancy and uh, you know, increasing real estate costs. So employers will increasingly consider. Uh, commercial spaces which provide the maximum connectivity, you know, collaboration and flexibility across, you know, global locations to involve that level of employee engagement and productivity. And with that, uh, you know, I'd like to invite our panelists to, you know, provide their perspectives on evolving workspaces. We, we uh, you know, we were, we, it'd be great if we could come back to that gig economy question because it's so relevant on this, uh, you know, on this section as well. Uh, you know, there is a clear indication that employers will need to look beyond the traditional office spaces now. So what kind of changes do we see, uh, you know, occurring here? Uh, Charles, would you, would you like to comment on that? And maybe then we can turn to Arna. Sure. Um, actually, if I can go on to the gig economy one first, um, I think the gig economy is, is, is offers some huge opportunities, especially for those who are highly sought after or, or want flexibility. But there's a, there should be a huge nervousness as well um, around the threats that for those with multiple jobs and zero on hour contracts. It, it's very interesting looking at the difference between the EU and the US as to um, how, how the governments are, are viewing it and what protection they're putting in for the workers. Um, but one of the other issues on this, like related to the gig economy, but, but, but related to automation as a whole, and one of the great dangers is, is regional differences. We're going to see as it can be automated are going to be in areas where uh, not necessarily those, the, the workers in those areas are going to have the skills to be able to take on um, other jobs. And the gig economy is not going to necessarily be able to um, offer a solution on that. Um, maybe while we're on the subject of the gig economy, I'll just hand straight back on to Aruna on whether she's got any remarks on that before going back to the others. Okay. Uh, thank you, Charles. So, so the way I look at gig economy is that you know. So let me let me share the thought, right? So when you think about uh, the gig economy, uh, and it, it, especially in the in the quad generational workforce. Um, uh, so if you look at Gen Y, the average job length for a Gen Y is less than three years, right? So that, that is according to Forbes. 
The other thing which I see with respect to gig economy is that more and more large firms, you know, I can I can speak for this, especially from Cisco perspective, are increasing the number of contractors. So according to Intuit, 80% of large firms are actually going to up the number of their contractors by the time you get to 2030. And last but not the least, you know, 15% uh, of freelancers actually earn via a digital platform. And again, speaking for specifically for marketing, I can see a huge increase in the number of contractors. So you might be wondering, why is this important, right? So why do we see the rise of uh, the gig economy? One is, you know, it's, uh, it gives you flexibility. So you don't need to relocate. It gives you flexible, and it, is, it also gives you work-life balance. It's a nine-to-five job. If you work more than nine-to-five, you're actually compensated over time for what you actually uh, deliver towards uh, any company. Uh, it's better than a salary, and it's a short-term relationship. And if you go back and relate it to the work styles for the millennials as well as the Gen uh, Z population, uh, which are going to make the significant part of our workforce by the time you get to 2030, I would say, like I said, Gen Y expects to be on a job for less than three years, which means that they're going to switch 15 to 20 jobs during their entire lifetime. And now if you translate that to the gig economy numbers, it means that you know, being a contractor will pay a bigger dividend for them because it will uh, give them the flexibility, it will give them a better work-life balance, it's a short-term relationship, and uh, it aligns with their particular work style. So I would say I definitely see an increase in their trend. In, in the gig economy trend, especially given the changing uh, work styles between the uh, millennial as well as the Gen Y uh, population. So having said that, um, I do also want to cover uh, something which you uh, asked me to cover, Vinay, with respect to the whole Cisco's transformation uh, uh, in terms of what we went through uh, with respect to workplace transformation. So. So we, uh, we embarked on this journey of being able to evolve our entire uh, workplace transformation here within Cisco. About, we started this journey about three, four years ago. So but what we looked at is what was the type of workers who were actually coming into the office. So was it more remote workers or more office workers? So when we be began this whole challenge, there were more people coming into the office across the board. And then we looked at the type of uh, office spaces. So I, I talked about huddle spaces, which are these in, uh, uh, not these conference rooms, which are dedicated conference rooms, but they are uh, informal places where people can actually huddle together. And we compared them against uh, the conference rooms. And we saw that there was a significant number of conference rooms which were there in place. And last but not the least, we looked at the schedule, right? Like were there an ad in spaces linked together in these ad hoc collaboration spaces? or were they bookable collaboration spaces? And what we saw was that more than 50% of Cisco's 100,000 total seats were not actually being utilized. Employees were changing where and how they worked, uh, which means that they wanted a greater amount of flexibility. And so we embarked on this journey in terms of pretty much changing the equation of the uh, verdict in terms of reducing the number of office spaces in order to basically give flexibility to people giving, given the emergent uh, work style uh, with respect to the millennial as well as the Gen Z population. So that we basically went from uh, a huge uh, uh, tilt towards office towards a mid-tilt so that we can encourage both remote as well as office employees. And then we also changed the context of our large conference room. So we created a lot more huddle spaces uh, rather than having uh, inactive uh, or not, not used uh, conference rooms. And last but not the least, looking at the schedule, we actually went into a more ad hoc collaboration spaces. So given Absolutely. that transformation, um, we actually had a tremendous amount of results which we gained with more productivity and satisfaction. So we had a 16% increase in employee engagement. 241 buildings were actually closed. 14% increase in workspace productivity and close to 294 million earnings from uh, uh, building sales and 811 million estimated value of incremental productivity. And a total decrease of 196 million for operational expense. Absolutely, Aruna. As much as we'd, uh, you know, love to continue with this, I think we're just at the top. At 
the hour. Um, I'd just like to, you know, leave the audience with a brief summary, you know, just to say that, you know, while automation is inevitable, you know, companies will have to have a very strong problem statement and return investment outline to incorporate this level of AI and automation. And the right investment into upskilling, you know, of the existing workforce is critical to achieve that level of efficiency and productivity. I mean, the, the labor workforce will obviously be met by an aging workforce population, but uh, employers must try to replenish this, uh, you know, shrinking talent pool and work towards, you know, building a and nurturing a cross-cultural, multi-generational workforce. And finally, if they are, uh, you know, to attract talent, they must work towards, you know, shedding their hierarchical organization structure and take significant strides to, you know, really enable a highly collaborative, uh, flexible and borderless and agile workforce. Um, with that, uh, I would like to hand it back over to, our, uh, to Anna. Thank you so much, Aruna and uh, Charles and Julian for your wonderful perspective. Anna? Thank you to everyone. So this is going to conclude our session. So if you have any uh, questions or would like to speak to our team, please send an email to any of the contacts that are provided on your screen at this time. Thank you for those that have joined and enjoy the rest of your day.